I deleted uh, all my music from the internet. It's all gone. If you go to my Bandcamp pages, they're still there. The Bandcamp pages are still there, but the music is, it's all of it is gone, fully gone. Um, if you go to Spotify, any of that, it's, um, and this is something I've been thinking about for, thinking about doing for a really long time. I've been thinking off and on about how it just seemed like the right time. This isn't really, um, yeah, I mean, I completely deleted every, every single, um, everything that I've been working on for the last, I mean, my whole life really. And it's, 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 it's all gone and it's good. It's good. It's good for it. This is, this is a positive step forward in my journey. This is really the next phase of my personal journey as an artist, as a musician, uh, as a creator, as a creative. Uh, this is, this is, I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward and I'm going fully fully underground. I've been planning this a long time, fully deep, deep underground. Um, I, from, from this point out, I'm only going to be doing basically mail order. Uh, I think mostly just over, I mean, uh, cassettes that I get that, you know, from the thrift store. Um, and maybe I will do CDRs. I'm not totally sure. I haven't really figured out how I want to approach that. But the only way that you're um, going to be able to get my music in the future is by uh, mailing me cash. Um, I'm going to get the PO box set up and uh, you can just write, you know, um, uh, you know, my PO box and just put some cash in there it can be whatever amount and I'll send you something. Uh, you can, you can you can get my music only by mailing me cash or finding me. If you find me, I will give you something, but to do that, you're going to have to find me, which is not going to be easy. Welcome to Prairie Goth. I'm Nora Nygaard. I'm a 39-year-old content moderator for uh, one of the big five open-source AI companies. Unfortunately, I cannot tell you which one, but uh, basically my job is to uh, analyze content and its associated metadata uh, and to work closely with the uh, NATSEC and Intel communities to identify anomalies and uh, neutralize them. Um, so last year, I put out a record that I was working on for a very long time called The Ghost Beneath Our Feet. Um, uh, I, do I want to talk? I don't really want to say anything more about the record, but it, I put it out last uh, November it's uh it's weird and so good and if you you uh 
would love love it if you could hear it unfortunately it's gone like everything else is but um you know you can go you can just you can check maybe you can find some pirated version of it um and anyway i put that album out last year last november and i tried to figure out some sort of way to promote a completely uh, an album that like the that has like no commercial or indie potential uh yeah i spent like a huge amount of time like trying to figure out what I could do and working on like a few different things to get the word out about it. And I've had like a few, a few friends like ask for advice and I'm, you know, it's, I guess like six months, that was like six months ago now and I want to kind of talk a little bit about that experience and the things that I learned doing that. Um, you know, I like I've like dabbled in a whole bunch of different areas of like music industry stuff. Some of them I feel uh, very confident in, you know, some production things. Um, and some things I feel like totally at a loss with and promotion is definitely one of those things. And I think that is pretty common for, uh, musicians and artists and stuff, um, because it sucks. It sucks to do it. It is really hard. It makes you feel terrible. And yeah, I don't know. I wanted to try to learn about what is actually possible potentially for like truly independent artists, not people on like some big indie label, but somebody without any kind of, any kind of support. Um, if you're like totally self-releasing something and it's the kind of thing that is like probably not going to, you know, that's, like, not suitable for, like, radio play in any capacity ever. Um, like, if you're doing that kind of stuff, like, what can you, what can you do? Like, what's worth your time? Um, and I kind of treated the whole thing as, like, a, the beginning of, like, a research pro process, which was partially me trying to um, preemptively cope with, like, knowing that it was going to be very, a very taxing experience. Um, usually if I can like kind of trick myself into thinking about something as like, not like, Oh, I need to do this. So like I find some sort of like success in the like outcome. Like if I can, if I can, instead of thinking about the outcome to think about like the process itself as valuable in some way, then it's easier for me to do the thing, even if I ultimately fail, which uh, I did. I did. I completely, I would say it was 
Well, you know, there were some there were some good things that came out of it, um, and I'll, I'll talk more about that as I uh, get into it. I wouldn't say I completely failed, but in terms of getting um, press, it was not successful. Um, that being said, I don't know. I think like um, I'm hoping to share some thoughts and advice in terms of like how to do this. And if you aren't like, I don't know if you're like not somebody who's interested in like releasing your own music, I think like taking a look into this world a little bit, um, I think might be in some ways enlightening as someone who like listens to music or is like, interested in like the arts economy uh anyway that that's kind of where i'm at i want to be able to help some people that i know um and that's kind of why i'm thinking through some of this stuff and i just want to document some of my thoughts on it before before i get even further than like six months away from actually doing the thing Um, and you know, like all of this stuff, like sometimes people call me like cynical or pessimistic or whatever, uh, especially in relation to like making music or like putting yourself out there, like trying to get your music out to people. And like, I'm, 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 I'm just I'm not like I'm not cynical, I'm not pessimistic. I'm relatively realistic about this stuff and I'm very curious about all of it. And if there is something I'm negative negative about, it's not it's like you know, I feel very connected to like the music that I make and I think a lot of artists um when they feel connected to the thing that they make, like it's really easy to end up feeling rejected and the, it's like a very natural, like human thing. It's like, you you know, your music is so social, you're sharing your heart and soul with people and people tend to not care. And that's really hard for a lot of people. Um, and, you know, all of that is really hard, has been like super hard for me. Um, so when I, when I come at a lot of this stuff with a more like, um, you know, realistic or what people might call pessimistic or cynical, kind of those kind of takes on this stuff, it's like really coming from like the position of like, I've I've been through a lot of situations that have made me feel really terrible and I want like other artists to understand that when you do something similar you're not alone but also like trying to trying to like figure out ways to cope with those feelings and trying to sort of steal yourself to be able to like know what's coming so you can prevent some of the like 
to prevent some of that damage, some of that psychic damage. Cause it's, it's super, it's incredibly hard. Like, you know, uh, all of this, all of this shit, like it's all, a lot of this shit should simply not exist. And yeah, I, I don't need to get into that whole rant yet, but like, anyway, um, yeah, like I, I want to like, remember to always come back to focusing on the thing that's actually important, which is that like social connection, making, making music for like the people in your life, um, etc. Uh, I'll talk more about that too. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because if you are like fully independent, like you can't make, you can't make money off of music. Like you just can't, it is not possible. It, it, uh, without like without doing some additional stuff like there are still like working musicians of course um and some of them are like incredibly independent and like totally um self uh what's the word i'm looking for self-sufficient but you always have to do something else on top of the like simply making music um and i think those other things that kind of list of other things uh is like a different conversation but you can't like release a record and make like actually make money off of that um if you're like just an individual artist. I think for a lot of people, that's pretty self-evident, but I think some people, I think for some people it's hard to, to realize that that's the, the case. Um, but anyway, there's like, there's other reasons to do this. Right. And like, that isn't the reason that I was doing this. And I think most people, I think most like actually independent artists, I think are making music because they want other people to hear it and appreciate it. And they want to feel appreciated and they want to make someone else's life marginally better in some way. And I think all of that is like, is like very pure. I think that's a very human, very, a positive thing, but I do think a lot of that stuff can get corrupted because of how shitty our world is basically. Um, and like that, that, uh, desire, those, like those, those feelings that are pure do make us very vulnerable. And there are a lot of companies that, um, prey on independent artists. Um, and yeah, so I think that is another important thing about being realistic with all of this stuff is that like people are, um, if like, if you, if you are in a position somehow where like your music can be profitable, like people are going to try to exploit you. That is like the nature of, this whole thing. Um, anyway, that's kind of 
the starting point for this. I made this record. I spent an insane amount of time trying to get the word out about it and learn about uh, the sort of indie promotional world. Um, it was the first time that I had done that since uh, since we put out the vinyl in 20, 2013, 2014, basically. Um, Girls Just Want to Have Gun. Uh, that record, I worked pretty hard to like, get get that out into the world you know really I was like really like shooting my shot like uh, in a lot of different ways at, at that time musically and it did not wor- like work but um that was a really good learning experience even though some of it I feel pretty stupid about um but um yeah this is like my first time you know, last year was my first time, like, really, like, trying to get a record out there because it was, was, like, since then. Because, like, after I put that out, I felt like, you know, nobody, like, I'm not making anything worth anyone's time. So I just need to get better. And that led to, like, you know, almost... 10 years of just like fucking grinding, uh, trying to improve my skills. And (laughs) that also like didn't pay off, but, um, you know, anyway, I love it. I love making music. I can't stop. It's like, it's the reason I'm alive. So the first thing that I kind of want to do here is like, force this uh black pill down your throat to kind of start this off with some perspective so there's a music database website called rate your music along with like sites like discogs like rate rate your music discogs these are like some of the most um essential like music databases on the internet uh rate your music um their front page says that the number of releases that are uh, on their on their website um, or like in their database is five point uh, five million. Um, there was an article from Music Business Worldwide last October, October sixth, twenty twenty two. The title of the article is "It Happened." 100,000 tracks are now being uploaded to streaming services like Spotify each day. Um, To look a little bit more at this article, uh, these stats come from, quote, two of the most influential figures in the modern music business, Universal Music Group CEO and Chairman, Sir Lucian Grange, plus the outgoing CEO of Warner Music Group, Steve Cooper. Grange suggested that record companies, with their ability to market, promote, and develop artists, are only becoming more critical to musicians' careers. Steve Cooper, speaking at the Goldman Sachs Communicopia, the Goldman Sachs Communicopia event on September 12th, said... 
On any given day of the week, roughly 100,000 tracks of music are uploaded to SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, etc. Being able to separate one's music from the other tracks uploaded that day is incredibly complex and incredibly difficult. Cooper suggested that the emergence of Web3 platforms would uh, add to that complexity for artists due to the interactivity required to bring a creator to prominence and to keep them prominent. The WMG exec added, uh, most creators don't have the capital, the skill levels, or the expertise to do all of that and be successful as such. Warner is looking at Web3 as a tremendous opportunity to further assert its role in helping artists to get noticed, said Cooper. So there's a couple things in this that I think are really key to this conversation. The first is that there is too much music. Um, 100,000 tracks of music are uploaded every day. We don't need that. That doesn't need that. We could stop all of this. We could. Ju- it's not essential that you release music. Uh, we could be done. It and we would have enough. Um, you know, I that like that number, a hundred thousand, right? Like, who knows? Like, what is all going on in that? And like, I do think that there are, um, probably a lot of people that are uploading all sorts of various types of trash. Um, you know, whether it's sort of like, um, kind of sound library music. I don't know. I mean, like there's all of that kind of stuff, all the commercial and non-commercial like shit going on in that. I mean, there is a lot of that stuff is really interesting and there are people who are, you know, doing, doing like some of that stuff is like a legit way to like kind of be a working musician, um, but I, I also think there's probably a lot of like, I mean, especially with like all the like psycho AI shit that's going on now. Like, I think that is going to become even more extreme and, uh, yeah. And weird. And I, I don't know. I think there's all sorts of insane implications to a lot of that stuff but I think it is like you know 100,000 every single day right so even if you're gonna do like the uh the Matt Farley thing of being like incredibly encyclopedic and like writing a song about everything you know and writing more than 20,000 songs like even that is like not gonna cut it in terms of like you know, I don't know. It's it's just it's like even if even if a lot of that the that music, like the one hundred thousand tracks every day, even if you know, like even if a tiny fraction of that is like like even if like point one percent of that is good like that's totally overwhelming. Like if we're talking like a hundred tracks a day that are like good, that would be like hot. No one can keep, keep up with that. Like no one, I don't know. Anyway, it's, there's a lot of different ways to feel about this, but it is like, it is like, it does really put things into perspective. Right. Um, you know, what if like one of those tunes 
like a fraction of a fraction like you know maybe there's 10 songs in there that would like totally change your life if you heard them but uh, you never like you're, you're not gonna um i i don't know it's like hard it's really hard to like grasp how much like how many people are alive and then like how much content is being produced um and a lot of it i think is like going probably totally unlistened um for the most part um so yeah i mean that's like one one aspect to this it's just like that that's totally overwhelming um and like how how are you supposed to deal with that as like an independent musician um and like as someone who listens to music how are you supposed to deal with that like curation right is incredibly important in that kind of like that kind of environment but like who who i can't like i was trying to think about like i don't have anyone that i look to that i trust in terms of like um finding new music like i know where to go if i want to like kind of find things in a historical context but like what am like what am i going to do like listen to like anthony fantano absolutely not i'm not going to i'm not going to do that i'm not going to like read pitchfork i don't care what like resident advi- resident advisor likes i don't there aren't ind- like individuals or institutions or djs um the like spotify algorithms i don't trust any of that shit so as a listener it's always like work which is part of the reason that like when i'm listening to music or trying to like i can't just be like i want to find music that i enjoy because i just end up not finding anything that speaks to me um so for me like as someone who wants to hear literally everything that's ever been recorded and released ever um i have to um i have to like approach approach all of this from like a you know some sort of like historical or outside perspective i guess like i should i should amend that because like the there are some things that are like you know like i'll i will like every every like one or two years i'll find like a new band or a new songwriter who i'd flip out about um and then like other than that like the only thing that i can think of was like doing um sort of like a historical dive into like jazz i think um especially like coltrane um you know especially like especially free jazz and spiritual jazz i think that's like one of the only things where it's like i can listen to anything that like people talk about as like free jazz or spiritual jazz and be like totally blown away by it and fall in love with it i think that's like the only exception to that um but you know yeah anyway there isn't there still there's not like a person there's not like somebody like recommending me i'm just like read like reading a bunch about jazz and like finding records that but yeah other than like a few songwriters one or two a year like at best and like 
digging into like, you know, jazz music. Like I usually don't find music that speaks to me. Um, and there's, there, there's no, there's no one curating that experience for me. It's just like reading a lot anyway. So like, there's, there's like no authority on anything like this, like not only in like a pop music context, but like also in like underground music, um, from my perspective, it's different for different people, obviously, but, uh, you know, I mean, music is incredibly subjective, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, there's this total feeling of being overwhelmed as someone making music, as someone listening to music, um, and yeah, I mean, that's just like getting worse, right? The other thing, like, the other thing that's really key with like this article is hearing, hearing that, like, I mean, okay, yeah, we know like major labels are like involved with shit like Goldman Sachs, but like any anytime it's like you, the, the connection between like finance and like the stock market and big banks and like, the music industry like i mean it's uh, of course that's the way it is but it's it's it is sickening right like it because and it's sickening because like this like the shit like the trends that people are engaging with the music that people are engaging with like this all of this popular shit is being <laughs> controlled you know, like it's, it's, uh, it, all of this shit. I mean, hearing them talk about like web three, like, where is this like web three as a tremendous opportunity to further assert its role in helping artists to get noticed? Um, you know, web three is like crypto, blockchain, the metaverse, like all of these stupid and like totally, uh, shithole trends of like where certain aspects of like the tech industry are going like that shit is going to be exploited and utilized by record labels to um to like make certain trends popular and i think it's really important that people understand uh, that like a lot of this stuff, like, you know, if you're finding music on TikTok or whatever, if you're finding music through algorithm, like this shit, like we don't know like how much of the shit is being influenced or controlled or like, um, you know, this, like, I think it's complicated, right? Like, I don't think it's like someone pushes a button and makes something popular, but, um, like it isn't organic, right? Like, it's like there is these things are being planned like to some degree it's not like some huge big plan but people are like trying to make certain things happen to make certain things pop off and then to make money off of it and if you have what what did this say the like the uh uh the capital, the skill levels, and the expertise to do all of that. If you have all of that, like you're going to do that and you're going to figure out a way to make money off of it. And you're going to, you're going to like do it in such a way that makes it look like it is organic. Um, it's like, it's the same sort of like street team shit. Um, you, you want to make things look like they're cool because they're underground. 
you want to make things look like, you know, like you want to make things look, uh, you want to make things seem popular for the right reasons, right? Not like it's being forced on people, but like to make people think they're finding it organically, to make people think they're finding some hidden gem. Anyway, I don't know. One of the craziest things, what was that? Um, holy shit, I'm blanking on the name. Um, Hudson Mohawk. That's it. The whole like sea bat thing with Hudson Mohawk and this like weird like Reddit thing. Like that was huge. And I highly, highly suspect on the basis of pure speculation uh, and kind of looking into it myself a little bit, just like trying to kind of read between the lines. Like I really think that was a viral marketing campaign. And there's, I don't know, there's just all sorts of shit like that. Anyway, I'm just like going off here, but like, I think as like a totally independent artist, right, it's important to recognize that um, you are like, there's every, like everyone who's getting popular, there's huge forces that you don't have access to right? That you and I do not have access to. And that kind of stuff is always being, uh, you know, there's market, there's so much hidden marketing, like behind the scenes, making things popular. And you and I are not up against them, right? Like, it isn't like, we're in a different category. We can't compare ourselves to that shit, right? Because it's, and, you know, and this is, like, not just, like, I'm not just talking about, like, uh, like, Justin Bieber and, like, Dua Lipa and, like, you know, super popular shit. I'm also talking about, like, Aphex Twin. Like, it's, it's, or, or 100 Gex, you know? I mean, it's all, it's all um, within that kind of same kind of uh, realm of, like, people have teams behind them. That's what I'm trying to say. And if you don't, then like, don't compare yourself to somebody with a team. Anyway, like I promise, I promise I'm going to get to like some of the more like actual like details and advice, but okay, let's, let's take a look at who does like get coverage. Uh, and this isn't like, this isn't data. This is just me like baking the like front page of, uh, like pitchfork today. Um, I'm recording this on my second. Um, also, like, yeah, I mean, again, to, like, the the thing of, like, not comparing yourself to these people, getting on the front page of Pitchfork, never the goal, never going to happen. But, uh, you know, anyway, bear with me. So, um, today, looking at the front page of Pitchfork, here's here's what you get, the top page, top part of the page. First things you see, Gordon Lightfoot is dead. Rest in peace. Um, Matt Gala. Oh, Lil, Lil Nas X. Um, incredible. Incredible. Truly incredible. Uh, wow, that butt. Incredible. Um, tour announcements from King Cruel, Aerosmith, Killer Mike. Huge names. Um, Neon Indians, uh, Alan Palomo and Mac DeMarco share video for a new song. So this, I think like, this is like, uh, this is a good example of like, if you're, 
like neither of those artists are like huge right now right and like this is just like a music video but it's still getting on the front page of pitchfork which i think is like important to note that like so like mac demarco like um I don't think he's had any records that have been like huge, but he did uh, My Kind of Woman, the tune, like the single in 2012, did get platinum from RIAA. Um, so I, I think this does go to show that like if you had like a, a single that like charts that is like that goes platinum that is huge in some way you will be able to like get front page of pitchfork, like probably even like 10 years later. Um, and okay. The last, last thing here, Timbaland reveals Oompa Loompa beat inspiration behind Alia's. Are you that somebody? Uh, this I think is like a, a good thing to point to because it, it does show that like part of the, um, part of the like, press bullshit around all of this is like people want meme magic like people want like dumb shit like people want clickbait people people want some kind of some kind of meme or weird thing that people are going to want to read just because it's because it's weird i don't want to i don't care i don't care about the oompa loompa beat but that is pretty funny um there aren't reviews until after the jump so it's front page you scroll down uh, after that first jump, you see a bunch of reviews. And these reviews are not from people who are huge, but I want to point out three three things here. Um, uh, the first one, um, Yuna Pinku. Um, I had never heard of her. She is um, in probably like her early 20s. I she Maybe she's like 19, but she's probably in her early 20s. And, um, she's doing some stuff that is like, I don't know. Like I always, I always think about like this, like visual look that's so popular now. Like I think about that as like CIA chic because the, because it's like been popular for a while. I first started seeing this with like some kind of buzzy, like techno stuff. Um, this sort of, there's like a certain design, thing that is kind of like um supposed to be sort of nostalgic for uh it really feels like it's supposed to kind of like throw back to like 90s sort of like rave kind of shit in some ways um like a little bit you know stylized lo-fi a little bit um Anyway, like the, like I remember, I remember seeing that kind of stuff, you know, like resonant advisor, you kind of see that kind of shit or like, um, 8093, uh, the label, um, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second, but like, I mean, that kind of stuff kind of has that, has that look. And then like, I think sometime during the pandemic like the cia like put out this like press release and like video and shit and they were using that same look and now like whenever i see that and it's like totally like it's all over everything now um i just think about it as like cia chic just because it's for me that's like i don't know that shit was so weird and now it's like so weird that that's like still popular and everywhere but anyway um a lot of her like visuals are in kind of that kind of that realm, um, doing this sort of like, 
um, drum and bass, UK garage, like throwback sound that is also really trendy right now. Um, but like singing on top of that. Um, so she's doing that kind of thing, which, so first, like the music is like locked into these trends. Her look is like locked into the trends. Um, and like, she's pretty, like, it seems like she's like new ish. So I was trying to find some info on her. I found her Instagram. Her Instagram is um, like a couple days ago, she posted this uh, photo of her on a billboard in London um, on like an Amazon music, like breakthrough artist, huge billboard. Um, And like looking at her website, there isn't like a whole lot of information about like if she's on a label I didn't find that um but I did find like at the bottom of the page you know websites always have like a copyright thing at the bottom of the page pretty much this says copyright 2022 needs to get updated but copyright 2022 Unipinku all rights reserved platoon I was like okay what's platoon do some do some baking do some looking up on platoon platoon is a quote branding studio uh, in Nashville. And they seem to work with like artists and shit. Like they made her website, but it like, she also like, it's, I don't know. It's like, I think it's worth pointing out that like, this is somebody with either a team or a label or something or just money behind her. Right. Um, but you know, and and like despite like she's getting all this coverage, right? But her YouTube only has like uh, one thousand three hundred forty subscribers. Her most popular video has sixty five thousand views. Um, so like not that, not that, not that popular, right? But still is able to like tap into these markets. Um, there is a new EP called DSX FM from Days God and Quinn. Um, I I don't know a whole lot about either of these artists. I, I've followed Quinn a little bit, and um, she like came up through kind of like the hyper pop thing, um, particularly through particularly through this like. YouTube channel turned sort of label called dismiss yourself and like dismiss yourself is like one of the most like fuzzy buzzy, like, um, popular trendy, like zoomer kind of like hyper pop, uh, sort of like cursed internet music, like hexed and shit. Like, um, you know, like that kind of really niche, uh, like zoomer, um, kind of stuff uh and like i don't this this new ep is on dead air which is also kind of also in that vein um but i think like the the thing here like i don't know if i don't know if it's like kind of hard to find out any actual information on dismiss yourself um or on dead air i haven't i i know a little bit more about dead air but like still it's like it's some of this stuff is kind of hard to because there's not a lot of writing and, you know, and people never really like dig into people. don't. I don't know. People don't care about this shit. Um, anyway, um, I don't, I don't know that like 
there's this stuff like seems seems more a little bit more indie but it, it is hard to know um and i don't know i mean i you know uh i think quinn's doing some interesting stuff but like and and like some other artists on the on those on those labels but like it's uh it is like worth noting like just even if even if like there isn't like any sort of real cash behind um these people like there is definitely some pretty clear support and it's like tapping directly into like basically like the most popular trends in like niche sort of underground zoomer internet music. Um, you know? Yeah. So I think, I think like looking at that, like it's very, it feels very targeted, right? Even if it's not, uh, even if it is like pretty indie, um, and then like the third thing I wanted to mention was, um, the Avalon Emerson is like all over Pitchfork today, which is kind of, I don't know, crazy to see. She came up on, um, 8093 that, uh, sort of like techno kind of like techno label, um, formerly known as, as whiteies, um, very like very artsy kind of techno label, very artsy floaty, um, kind of like trendy, cool, ambient, techno, house, micro house, tech house. Uh, you know, I, I really like that label in a lot of ways, but like um, it is, I don't know. It's, I think, I think she's doing some really cool stuff, but it is also very, very weird. Like to see, uh, see that trajectory. And part of what is working for her right now is that like, she already had this kind of audience that she was building through like techno cred and like, um, those kind of connections. And now like she's doing this sort of shift. So this, um, there, there was a review and there was also an article. The article is titled why techno rule breaker Avalon Emerson traded club bangers for featherlight dream pop. So like, you know, I think, I think like making these kinds of, uh, like if you are somewhat popular, um, if you are, you know, well known enough to have like, you know, uh, the, the cultural institutions of the internet making like videos about like your DJ techniques, if you have that kind of cred, like doing some sort of change or shift um, can be like a really good way to, um, make yourself, um, to like help people see you in a different way to get more press. It's, it's, it's like a more exciting thing to talk about. Um, anyway, so I think like seeing, seeing all of that stuff, like it's very, it's just very important to always keep in mind, like there's always, something behind these artists they're never fully independent right they're either connected in with some like cool buzzy label or they have cash um or they have just been like in the kind of right places and made the like right connections um and like a lot of these things like a lot of these things all kind of coincide with each other you know i think like it's, it's usually a mix of like all of these different, um, 
things that work to make people popular. And like, I, I mean, like that's like one of the things like I really want to like, this is not, this is not going to happen to me and it's not going to happen to you. Um, if you aren't like tapped into that, if you don't have like that kind of cash behind you, it's just like, it's not, it's, um, not going to happen. And it is like, it does feel like intentional class separation, um, or like the sort, the sort of like, uh, capitalist system using people, uh, and exploiting people of, lower middle classes, bringing them into a higher, you know, kind of class situation. And yeah, anyway, and then fucking up their lives. But that I feel like that kind of class separation, including the like educational kind of stuff, um, being tapped into these cultural institutions, whatever, I feel like a lot of that is basically intentional. I mean, like, I, and I don't know, I don't, I don't want to like give the wrong impression about myself. Like I grew up, um, like pretty solidly, um, you know, middle class, whatever that means, pretty, pretty safe and comfortable. Although like I have like basically my whole life felt a certain sense of like financial anxiety, precarity. Um, and I have like in a lot of ways, like really kind of planned my life around that. I mean, that's like a feeling that I've had since I was, uh, like a, a teenager for sure. Um, so, you know, and anyway, I feel like a lot of these things, uh, a lot of these, a lot of that, like a lot of the, like, yeah, it's just like, it's off limits. If you don't have cash, I could like, I could do a similar summary of Bandcamp daily which is a more attainable goal, I think, for people like you and me. Um, but I, I'm going to spare you going into details on, on any of it. The, the Bandcamp Daily, if you look at the like front page of Bandcamp Daily, and to, like, if you don't know about what that is, like Bandcamp Daily is the like sort of uh, music writing. Um, you know, thing that Bandcamp does. Uh, I can't remember when they started doing it, but like not that long ago, like just like a few years ago. Um, and it's mostly separated into things like, so there's, there's lists, um, there's features, and then there's like an album of the day thing. But like, like looking at that, looking at that page, like, I mean, it feels like, okay, like not only is there too much music, but there's also like too much writing about music, which I think, I don't know, I think like most of the kind of like press and stuff that people like you or I could get, a lot of it isn't, isn't necessarily to like go get on like some kind of front page or something and be directly exposed to like an audience as much as it is to like people who are kind of already in your circle to like bring them, to bring them into you know, your story a little bit more. So like, you know, like, so I did like, let's say I do an interview, right? Like that interview is mostly going to be valuable to the people who are like already my fans who already listen to my music. The interview isn't going to be as effective probably with like the people who are like visiting that like website or whatever. Um, 
And, you know, and some of that also is just like, that's not only the audience now, but also like future. Like, so if someone is like Googling you, right, they might find this old thing that was like written about you or interview with you or whatever. I think like that is also the sort of like search engine thing of all of this is um, another sort of um, way that people are, you know, if someone's curious about you, they'll, they'll find that. Um, but I don't think there's like dedicated readers. I don't, I'm sure there are, but there's, there's probably not a lot of like dedicated readers of like Bandcamp Daily, for example. Um, you know, I mean, it depends on, you know, what you would, ca I mean, who knows, maybe there are a lot, but it's, it's probably, uh, a, sm a smaller fraction of their traffic. Um, anyway, looking at that page, it really does feel like, I don't like, what do I want to read here? I don't know. I have no idea. Why would I like, anyway, I also think like, I don't know. I think music writers for, for the, for the most part, don't want to write about album releases unless there's some kind of like additional um, interesting story or hook or if you're already famous or if there is some kind of like meme magic, you know, uh, then, I mean, like think about Mac DeMarco also, like he just released a 199 um, track album. And like, are, are, you know, are people like people are, are music writers going to listen to that whole thing? Like, no, like, I'm sure they're not, but they'll probably write about it because it is weird. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, you know, most of this stuff is like evil or toxic or like, you know, bad in some way, like, sh like most of the stuff like shouldn't exist right but like uh you know all of that aside like there are a lot of like genuinely good people and good writers and people with good intentions who are who like are doing work in these you know i think most people like i i also think it's like important to note with like Bandcamp Daily, like their their business model in terms of like a music publication, the incentives are like different, right? Because they take a cut of sales. So like they want people to read these articles, buy the albums, and then they're gonna get a little bit of cash from the you know, it's it's different. It's like a it's a different model than like pitchfork or whatever. Like it's a it's a different approach. And like I don't know, I I do wanna kinda like step back and like step out of like sort of my negativity about this because like like even if like even if most of this most of the systems around this are like toxic or evil or bad or like shouldn't exist like I don't actually want to like I, I like I know I I like am coming across as like throwing shade at all of these people but like truly like most of the people like the vast majority of people who are like writing this kind of stuff, you know, for these websites or for, uh, um, or who are like making this music or even like the people doing the marketing and shit, like the vast majority of these people are good people with like good intentions. They're good writers or they're, um, you know, I mean, or they're making good music or whatever, but like, um, 
yeah, I mean, the the thing that's uh, like toxic here is like the system and our economy, right? Like it's people people are being shut out of like being involved in music or whatever because they don't already have cash. And in a lot of situations, like if you don't have cash, like you can't be, yeah, it's just like, anyway, so I, I, I want to make that distinction. I want to make that pretty clear. Like this is, it's, this is not me like hating any of these artists or any of these people doing the work. Um, you know, it's just important as if you're an artist who doesn't have cash, it's important to note that we're in a totally different position from these people. And I know I spent like probably way more time than you like wanted me to, to like go through this stuff. I feel like maybe I'm just like saying shit that people already know and understand, but I think like coming at it from this perspective, recognizing the, like the world as it actually exists and then trying to think in terms of like, okay, well, if this is the way things are, what, what am I able to do? Like what, what kind of, how can I operate within this, uh, within this system as just like someone who loves making music and someone who wants to share that music and wants to be, I have like a little bit of like appreciation, right? Um, Like, okay, so how, how do we do that? Like, how can we be at peace with all of this, with this being like the way all of this is with how can we, like, how can we be be at peace knowing like maybe, maybe a hundred people will, will hear your record, you know, how can, like, how can we, yeah. How can we come to terms with that? So you got to focus on the good stuff. You got to focus on what's actually important. And like, this is essential in like this whole process. I'm, you know, like I suffer from like the most insane cyclical depression. And like, I'm always trying to fight against those demons, right? So focusing on the good stuff and what's important is really key. You are making music to make the people in your life happy. The people that you actually know, um, the people that you are friends with, the people that you love, the people who love you, you're making music to make them happy. And you're making music to communicate how you feel to the people around you, to the people that that know and love you and to, I don't know if you're playing shows or whatever, you know, however, whatever your like social circle is, however big or small that is, you, even if it's just a few people, you're making music to make them happy and to communicate how you feel to them. And that in itself has like a huge amount of value that like, this is this is a spiritual, this is a spiritual war. And, uh, like that is how you win is connecting with people. Um, music is social and it's important to keep that part of it first. Um, and you're writing so you can learn 
about yourself so you can feel closer to yourself, so you can know yourself and feel closer to who you actually are. Uh, and you're writing to remember. You're, remi- write, you're writing to remember, to sort out your life, to sort out how you feel, and to internalize the memory of those feelings in a way that you can access in the future. So I wrote all this music as a teenager. I don't like most of that music now, but if I think about it or if I sing those songs, it can be kind of tough to hear the recordings. Um, some of them I, I can... You know, some of the some of the really young ones, I feel a connection to the recordings. Some of the later ones, not so much. But uh, that, even just like thinking about or playing those songs again, helps me tap into a person that I used to be. Even if I'm embarrassed about that person, or feel, um, you know, like I can feel I can feel who I who I was and where I've come, and it makes me remember who I am and who I've been. And it's, you know, if I didn't have those songs, I don't know how I would connect to that person. Um, I don't know how I, re- how I re- would remember that. And music helps you remember sensory things. It helps you remember physical feelings, smells, it helps you like embody the emotions again. And you're making records to have a document of this time. Your voice and your body and your brain are all going to change. They're going to change. They're never going to be like they are right now again. It's never, it's, the person you are now will change and you won't be able to, I can't make the music that I was making when I was a teenager or in my twenties. Like I can't do that anymore. Um, because, because so much is different and I'm, I, you know, I'm a, like, I'm a different person and that will happen to you over and over again. And so you can only make that, a record of this time, like at this time. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think that's like a, an, it's important to make that document. You are making a record so the people who care about you can feel close to you when you're not around, you know, both in the like big and small ways about that. Like, uh, you know, if, if like you're just like literally not around the person, you know, maybe you've moved, maybe this is someone you aren't as close with anymore, or, um, you know, maybe it's like a friend that you see once every year or something, that person, that friend, that person in your family, that whoever, like they can listen to your music and feel close to you. And I mean, you know, of course, like this also, when you, when you're dead, like, um, people are still going to value your music. Um, and it's, you know, it's a time capsule. And I think that can be important even to people that you've never met in the future. Um, 
and you you are you are making music so that you're making you're making this kind of record this kind of document so that someone in a different time or place will find it meaningful and feel less alone that could happen now that could happen in like 30 years some of these things like might not happen for decades but you can only make the record like right now you'll never be able to do it again um yeah anyway so i think like centering this social value um connecting with other people and knowing yourself i think all of that is what you should focus on and if you've taken the time to make a record to make something that feels very important to you i think it's worth taking a little bit of time to figure out how to send that record into the world in a way that will maybe find those people more quickly so like i i think i think like I, th- I think as musicians, we have a little bit of a responsibility to do this. Like if we've, if we've made something that's meaningful to us, we should try to s- send it out into the world. So other people who, because like, like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like in, insanely niche uh, in the music that I make. Right. Um, I think it's really weird. I think most people are it's fine that they don't like it i don't care like i don't want a lot of people to like it i just want to um i want the music that i do make to find its way to the people who will find it meaningful and like that's what this whole promotional process was for me and i've i've seen this in a different way because like you know like as like as a trans woman um there aren't a lot like there's not a lot of us um you know despite like what the news might make you think right like there really there's not a lot of us and those of us that are you know making music or devoting their lives to making music like that's even less right and um what i what i do know is that every year one or two one or two people usually young not always usually trans women not always and usually kind of like commies uh will you know so young communist trans women will like reach out to me mess like dm me on instagram or whatever and and say that they found my music and um that it's uh m- meaningful or important to them in some way and like that i feel a certain responsibility to try to extend my music out into the world so that the people who feel that way um do find the music because i've felt incredibly alone for most of my life and i want other people to feel less alone 
And I don't think you have to, like, you. I, it doesn't matter if you're, like, some marginalized identity or not. Like, if you are, like, you know, a cis white male, like, it. it's still, like, if you're making music that is that you feel is like unique and valuable and like you've really put your heart and soul into it. I still think like you have that kind of responsibility because like if you are, if you are truly like coming from the heart and expressing something that is unique to you, um, as we are all like able to do because like everybody has like different experiences. If you are able to like tap into that, and and like really put your heart and soul into your music. Somebody out there is going to find it uniquely meaningful, um, regardless of who you are. And I think like it's really important to try to make that happen. Even if you only spend like a week or two thinking about it, you don't have to like. I like put way too much time into this, right? And but and like you don't have to. Um, but putting a little bit of effort into that, I think is really smart because you never know who's going to find it and you never know what it's going to mean to someone else. And that might, that might be like 20 years from now or whatever, but like it, 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 it's important to plant those seeds, I think. Um, and I think just putting it online or just making CDs or whatever, I don't think that's enough. Um, anyway. So what, what, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do want to say like a lot of this is like hard for me, right? It is hard to like, um, feel, feel so like niche and unimportant. You know, I do want people to care about what I make. I don't care if that's like embarrassingly sincere or cringe to say, like, I, I want people to care and I wish I, I wish I could make like a modest living off of making music, learning about music, talking about music. I wish I could do that because what I want more than anything is time. Like people don't understand how much time it takes to get good at something like, like making music, not only to get technically good, whatever, which for the most part I'm not right. But like, you know, whatever in like whatever instrument or like, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I think for me, like the thing that I feel good at is like good at is like production, composing, blah, blah, blah. Um, it takes so long to like get get good at that. It takes so long to develop your own artistic voice. And then af- like once you've gotten to that point, like it takes so long to actually make the thing that you hear in your head or discover something that you wanted to make or whatever. Like it takes so much time and if you don't have cash like it's you have to sacrifice a lot to have the luxury of time and I like I don't you know I've like sacrificed a lot in my life to devote myself to making music um but this is a spiritual war and uh I'm gonna win gonna win um but also like from from the beginning i've had these kind of parallel tracks as a writer 
Like I've always wanted to make music that comes from my soul. I want to make real art. I want to make good art. Um, but I also want to make music that has some kind of like pop sensibility or that's like even a little bit stupid. I love music that's a little bit stupid. I love music that's really artsy, but also really kind of stupid. Um, and like, you don't have to pick between making one or the other of these things, but I do think it's good to like differentiate. And I think it is, yeah, I think like it's good to compartmentalize some of this stuff a little bit so that you can, um, you know, be honest and sincere and like wear your heart on your sleeve, but like not let that, that part of you get hurt by being rejected. Um, and if you are trying to make like pop, um, I think it's good to like really try to focus on the things that are working, you know? Um, anyway, I could, yeah, I could go into a whole thing about that, but, um, anyway, so how, oh my God, how far are we into this? But I am going to, um, uh, jump into my list of like stuff you should do. Thank you for listening. The second half of this episode in which I go on numerous unhinged rants. The second half is going to be up on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Nora Nygaard. Thank you for listening. If you want to uh, hire me to help you with uh, marketing and promotion, hit me up, noranigard.com. Um, until next time, uh, how do I sign off? Oh, right. Okay. So next week, um, probably going to try to do something about, uh, um, I just, I recently saw this, it's, uh, this Mario, the Mario movie. And I think next week I'm going to do kind of like do an episode and kind of inspired by that. Thanks for listening. One love. God bless. Talk to you later.